You're listening to the Adult Explore the Bible Weekly Leader Training Podcast. This podcast is designed to help teachers prepare to lead a Bible study group using LifeWay's Explore the Bible adult resources. Each week, we review the Bible passage for that week's study, examine some questions teachers may face, and give some teaching tips along the way. I'm Dwayne McCurry, your host, and I'm also the team leader for Adult Explore the Bible. Today, I'm being joined by David Briscoe. He's one of the content editors on the adult team as well. And we're going to be looking at session one of the fall 2020 study of Isaiah. Now, session one, we're looking at Isaiah 1, verses 10 through 20. And the name of that lesson is entitled, God Confronts. Those verses 10 through 20 have been organized this way. First of all, empty rituals. Second point, true followers. And the third point is repentance required. Let's just think about that that outline just for a moment. First of all, empty rituals, verses 10 through 15. In these passages, Isaiah compared the Israelites to the people of Sodom and Gomorrah, questioning their sincerity in practicing religious rites and observing religious festivals. He declared God to be wearied by their insincere religious rituals and practices that had become a substitute for godly living. David, we're going to talk more about Sodom and Gomorrah here in just a little bit once we get uh, to that point in our podcast today. Uh, Verses 16 and 17, we've entitled that True Followers. In this section, Isaiah called on the Israelites to cleanse their hearts and demonstrate that they had done so by living godly lives. The third section, repentance required. In this section, verses 18 through 20, Isaiah declared that the people faced a choice. They could approach God in repentance and find forgiveness, or they could continue to rebel and face God's judgment. David, let's talk about, first of all, that, those first verses, 10 through 15. How might religion offend God today? And what does Sodom and Gomorrah have to do with worship to begin with? We find out about those cities first in Genesis. Genesis 13 through 19 is the story of Abraham and Lot when they came into the promised land and uh, they're, they're, they began to succeed. Their, their herds uh, multiply and, it, and the servants of Lot and the servants of Abraham began to argue with one another and their conflict rises. And so Abraham meets with Lot and says, look, we we just need to separate. So you choose where you want to go. And so Lot chose to go down into this Jordan River plain, which if you think now about where the Dead Sea is, that's the area uh, that he was talking about. And that's where Lot chose because this area of the plain, Lot, Lot looked out and saw the entire plain of the Jordan as far as Zoar, was well watered everywhere like the Lord's garden. In the land of Egypt. So it's a very different look of that area than we might think of uh, now or Isaiah thought of in his time and the people then, where it was barren and the Dead Sea and uh, desert type, wilderness type area. Well, it was that way because God had destroyed it uh, in the days of Abraham and Lot. Now we're pretty we're pretty familiar probably with the uh, sins of of the citizens in Sodom. Uh, I mean that's where the word sodomy comes from. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, but it's it's interesting that in Ezekiel 16 verses 49 to 50, as that prophet was looking back also on the sins of Sodom and Gomorrah, 
he wrote this about the city of Sodom. Now this was the iniquity of your sister Sodom. She and her daughters, meaning the citizens, had pride, plenty of food and comfortable security, but didn't support the poor and needy. They were haughty and did detestable acts before me. That, that's and, a different picture than what we usually think of with Sodom and Gomorrah. Absolutely. And, and it lets us know that the, that the sins of Sodom and Gomorrah were broader than what we normally think of, and that the Lord saw this, and that's the reason they were destroyed. So when Isaiah comes along and he's saying, uh, in essence, or the Lord is saying through Isaiah, uh, people of Judah, you're, you're like Sodom, you're like Gomorrah. You know, it, it wasn't necessarily that they were engaged in homosexual sin and, and that sort of picture that we often uh, associate with Sodom, but there was, uh, there was this haughtiness, there was this self-dependence, a lack of, of faith in God, a lack of uh, trust in the Lord, and just, um, you know, not taking care of the poor and the vulnerable, those kinds of... Uh, sins were going on. And so uh, the, the leaders of uh, Judah and Jerusalem were behaving just like those people of Sodom and Gomorrah with one added insult to God. Because the people of God in Isaiah's day were going to the temple. They were carrying out religious activities, but with no thought of its utter hypocrisy. And so verses 11 through 15 uh, in this core passage in Isaiah 1 describes the kinds of religious activities they were doing. They were taking sacrifices. They were, it described trampling the courts of the temple there. They were, they were going to church, so to speak. They were, they were uh, doing the right to, things. They were doing those kinds of religious activities but the Lord had seen their hearts and they needed something much more uh, to be done. And, but they were not willing to, to see that. And so, uh, you know, there, there's an illustration, I think that that would uh, help explain this. If, if a man who's, who starts to have severe uh, pains in his chest, he, he knows he's got some problems there. He's having, uh, shortness of breath and uh, some numbness in various extremities. He goes to the doctor uh, and the doctor does all the series of tests and he comes back to him with this, uh, with, with this serious, serious news. He says, you, you know, you, you are in need really of a heart transplant. You, you've got to have a new heart. And then the man then says to the doctor, he says, well, doc, I'll tell you what, I will fund a new wing of the hospital in your name. Not only that, I, I'm going to get on social media and tell everybody I can. I'm going to sing your praises as a doctor. Not only that, I'll come in for a visit every week, and I'll, I'll listen to your, your diagnosis, your recommendations to me. But, Doc, I, I just can't change my lifestyle. And for sure, I, I can't submit myself to, to have uh, a heart transplant, to get a new heart. So, you know, that, that's pretty ridiculous, isn't it? That, okay, I'll sing the praises of the doctor. I'll visit the doctor every week. 
I'll fund, I'll, I'll pay uh, to glorify, so to speak, the, uh, the doctor's name, but I won't do what the doctor tells me to do. I'm not going <laughs> to. I'm not uh, going to fix the real problem. Not going to fix the real problem. So when you think of religious activity, and that, that can happen today, because you know if, if people are going to church, if they're giving tithes and offerings, if they're singing worship songs, they're offering prayers, but only in an attempt to, to cover up or distract from what's really the problem in their heart, their life, then you know we, we need to hear the same message that uh, Isaiah, the people of Isaiah's day heard from him. That is, you know, you're, you're not seeing the real problem. And if you don't see the real problem and trust in the Lord to solve that problem, then, uh, you know, you're, you're facing, uh, you're facing judgment. David, you mentioned Ezekiel 16 and one of the accusations was they ignored the poor. That, that kind of gives me a different insight into the commands and the actions I find in verses 16 and 17 here in Isaiah, because the last thing that he talks about in verse 17 is to defend the orphan and plead for the widow, which would be the same accusation that Ezekiel makes against Sodom and Gomorrah. Yeah. We see these commands here in verses 16 and 17, wash, remove, uh, stop doing evil, learn to do good and, and uh, seeking justice and all those things. Is the order of these commands important? Uh, yes, in one sense, but I, I would make one qualifier to that. And that is because what, what basically um, Isaiah is describing in these two verses, 16 and 17, is repentance and faith. And, and really, we, we discover, uh, it's, it's clear enough here, but certainly it is clarified in the New Testament that repentance and faith uh, are really more like two sides of one coin. In other words, there, there is no true faith without repentance, but there is, you know, without uh, faith, repentance, in other words, just saying I'm sorry, but not having a change of direction and a change of heart uh, is not uh, real either. It's, it's like the show, uh, the religious activities that, uh, that Isaiah was talking about in the earlier verses there. So uh, I, I would want to, to make sure we, we think that, okay, uh, yes, generally the, the first step is repentance. Which and is wash yourself in this, that's, that's this right. context, right? Exactly. Uh, and then the, but the next uh, side of that, the other side of that is, okay, there's a change of heart, a change of direction, change of activity, change of life. So what, what needed to happen was, was that the people, first of all, needed a, a change of heart and mind, like I was uh, illustrating with that um, story of the, doc, the man going to the doctor. So a transformation of the heart was needed. So he described, Isaiah described this kind of uh, transformation in terms of, you know, getting a thorough washing and a cleansing, uh, and so he was describing repentance. Uh, you know, you're going one way and then you change and you're going another way. It's a change of heart and mind in relation to our relationship with God. And of course, the flip side of that is then the faith. Uh, so, you know, when he talks about uh, learn to do what is good, pursue justice, correct the oppressor, uh, he's not talking about those kinds of act activities being 
salvation, but it's those are the kinds of things that when you have faith, uh, like James talked about in the New Testament, when you have genuine faith, you've had repentance and you have genuine faith in the Lord, then these are the kinds of uh, life activities that you're going to pursue because of that, not in order to gain salvation, but because you have been saved, then you're going to do good and pursue justice and defend the orphans and the widows. So those, those types of activities are demonstrations of genuine faith. Because a lot of times we get the idea that we need to do these things and then we approach God about getting right. We are, we'll take care of these things and then we'll come and get cleansed, change our heart, those type of things. But really what he's talking about here is you need to get the heart changed first and then that leads into the actions, which you do it because you have a different heart, not so that you can gain that heart, but because you already have it. Exactly. Uh, verse 18 through 20, you have this phrase, let us reason. How does that relate to faith? Uh, what's the connection really between reason and faith here, David? I know you're, you're referring there to our familiar understanding of, of verse 18, where uh, it says, come now, let us reason together in the King James Version. Mm -hmm. uh, come now, let us reason together. The Hebrew word there that uh, in the uh, Christian Standard Bible is let us settle, uh, but in King James is let us reason. Uh, it, it can mean to decide, to judge, to prove, to conclude, or, or settle. And so let, let, let's think about those two ideas. One is reason. What, what is reason? Well, it's, it's the ability to settle on conclusions of truth based on what we observe, what we experience, what we learn. Well, what is faith then? Well, faith is relationship. And it's a relationship of trust whereby one acts on truth that's learned from the trusted source of truth. And so Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So faith is that I am trusting in Jesus. I'm trusting that what he says is true, that he is the way, the truth, and the life. But even more than that, I'm trusting that he, my relationship of trust in him uh, to reveal to me what the truth is, means that I'm going to act on what he says. I'm going to obey him. So, you know, that, that's, again, why, why James in the New Testament would say, faith without works is dead. Saving faith leads to uh, a change of life, a change of activity, a change of work, whereby uh, those works demonstrate that I have a relationship of trust in the Lord. And he tells me what is right. He tells me how he wants me to act. He tells me how I, he wants me to treat others. He tells me how he wants me to treat him. Uh, and I trust him totally, completely, so that it leads to my acting on, obeying what he has instructed me to do. So, so in, con in that context, the if you think about let us settle, it's really let us decide this and move forward. Right, right. So that's, that's the reason part. The reason part is, okay, what do I 
decide to do. And the faith part is, I decide to trust in the Lord with all my heart. I decide to trust in him and then uh, obey the things that he has told me to do and, and wants me to live. And thereby, this, this connection between reason and faith is it, it's again like those two sides uh, of the one coin. I can't save myself, but the Lord has given me uh, this mind. The Lord has given me this ability to reason that my way to salvation is through Jesus Christ, because he said he is the way to salvation. He's the truth about life, and he is the very life itself. So I find my salvation my truth about life and my life itself in that relationship with Jesus Christ, a relationship of trust and a relationship of obedience. When we were studying Romans a few months ago, um, we studied Romans 10 of believe and confess. You see that same idea here where you believe, you settle, you confess, have faith. All those kind of things are rolled up into this this idea of let us reason as well, if you think of it in terms of let us settle. Exactly. And, and that's why I said uh, earlier that, uh, you know, in, in the uh, New Testament particularly, it, it clarifies for us that repentance and faith are not separate, but they are the two sides of, of one coin, so to speak. Uh, they are inseparable and in that true repentance leads to true faith and true faith is connected to this true repentance. And so the, uh, the concept of reason and faith is similar to that in that, yes, I, I have to make the decision. I have to make the choice uh, of whether to trust in the Lord or not trust in the Lord. But my reason uh, should tell me the wisdom, the wise thing to do, the right thing to do, the, the really the only proper thing to do is to trust in the Lord, because if I trust in myself, if I trust in idols, if I trust in anything else, I'll be disappointed and I'll be judged. Whereas if I'm trusting in the Lord, then my life will indeed be saved. It'll be changed uh, and uh, it'll be life eternal. David, thank you for being with us today. Uh, for most of you by now, you've already noticed that there's some changes in Explore the Bible resources for this fall. You've probably noticed there's a fresh cover design. There's a few tweaks in the layout and the personal study guide and the daily discipleship guide. And you also notice a few changes in the leader guide. Now you can share your thoughts about these changes and about Explore the Bible in general by sending me an email at duane.mccrary at lifeway.com. That's D-W-A-Y-N-E dot m-c-c-r-a-r-y at lifeway.com david thank you for being with us today uh, thank you out there for listening today and know that we pray for you and hope you will do the same for us that god will give us wisdom as we create the explore the bible studies join us next week if we look at session two we're looking at isaiah 6 one a familiar passage the call of isaiah david will be with us again so we look forward to visiting with you